With the population of the remote hills swelling week by week, the north mouths to feed, there were also more men than usual to lend a hand with the shearing and planting. This resulted in Duncan not being as great as a demand for some of the work. Jamie, usually with book in hand, often joined Duncan and Rudy when they went farther into the hills to find pasture for the flock. Do you see that old castle, Jamie? said asked Duncan one such day, gesturing with his staff at the ruins of Dunkirk Castle. Ah, if my crook shank doesn't work so well, not my eyes, said Jamie, grinning at his friend. Jamie had a strong jaw and a face that seemed to prefer smiling. And though he often grew serious and thoughtful about things, somehow, he, even when his mouth wasn't, he seemed to be smiling. Duncan could never quite understand how his friend remained so cheerful and all the, with all the troubles and with his crooked leg. In my castle, in my castle just there, continued Duncan, I have a secret I haven't told anyone. Jamie flashed his dark eyes at Duncan, studying his face to decide if he was having him on. A real secret? Something worth knowing? Aye, worth knowing, said Duncan, his eyes narrowing as he walked slowly up to the ancient ruins, hounded as we are by my, that dog Turner and the English. Duncan spat as he'd seen Grier do when he s- said the word English. My secret will save your family and mine, Jamie. Jamie Kilbright. And expecting myself, you'll have been the first to get it. Ouch, Duncan, said Jamie with a dismissive wave of his hand. As to saving our families, uh, I'll be continuing to pitch my hopes on the Lord. Thanks all the same, not on your heap of old rubies. Ah, but God helps those, said Duncan, slapping his friend on the back gold naturally. That'll help their, their, their sleeps. Aye, so I've heard, replied Jamie, which notion generally leads to folk put, to putting more trust in their sleeps than in the Lord. In these times, the, said Duncan, where it is, trust in the Lord, but keep your hand on your dirt. Grier often said something like that. Duncan ordered Rudy to tend the sheep, and then he took his friend inside the crumbling walls. Clambering over the piles of rubble, Duncan finally halted. Look around ye, he told Jamie. What do you see? Jamie did as he told, grinning, and he turned to Duncan and said, I see a heap of ruins. Mind ye, it's a lovely view about the core countryside, but I don't see anything that looks a secret, Duncan. Just a heap of old ruins. I can you're having me on. Duncan narrowed his eyes to his friend. Look closer here. I see nothing, Duncan, said Jamie. Nothing but a rumble of moss. I'm glad of it, said Duncan, nodding seriously. How close your eyes, Jamie Kilbride. I'll be showing you my secret. A grunting and scrapping sound strongly tempted Jamie to peek, but he kept his eyes tightly closed until Duncan 
said triumphantly, I. Then you can do you make of this? Jamie's eyes flew open and stared in wonder at the ga- gaping hole in the ground, and Duncan grinning proudly beside it. I've rigged a cover of rocks and moss and some old planking, said Duncan, beaming with pleasure at his friend's astonishment. You didn't see anything, Jamie, and you were looking for it. A turner's man will never find this opening. Mark me on it. He opened his store on and pulled out a flint. How did you come by it? Broody found it. Uh, how did you come by it? Asked Jamie. Broody found it, said Duncan, striking the flint. Does it go deep? Said, asked Jamie, peering into the blackness. Aye, said Duncan, between gentle puffs of a spark from his flint and ye are going to explore it with me so we can find out just how deep. Duncan handed his friend a two sheep tallow candles, lit them, took one for himself, and led the way down the step the steep crude stair into the gaping blackness of the old passage. The brightness of daylight faded as they descended, and the dim candlelight cravered against the road can tours of the tunnel. It's big enough for a pony, said Jamie as in Duncan's ear. Ah, here it is, said Duncan, but it gets low and narrow in some places. Ah, said Jamie, his voice bouncing nearly off the dark, damp, damp walls. Do you think it has an escape route from the castle? asked Duncan as they walked cautiously farther into the subterranean corridor. Almost certainly it was a mine, said Jamie, dug by Robert Bruce when he was taking castles back from the English usurpers in the third and the thirteens. How do you ken that? asked Duncan, turning to look at his friend. I read about it in a book, said said Jamie, simply and sputtering candlelight, casting shadows on his face as he replied. While soldiers fought to keep their enemies from climbing up over the walls, using crossbows, by hurling stones down the attackers, or dumping boiling oil on them, defense of a different kind that needed to keep attackers from digging underneath the walls. Mining was kind of warfare, unseen by the eye, but for all that, no less deadly. Defenders frantically dug mines to try to cut off attackers before they broke through inside the walls of the castle. Imagine, Duncan, the fierce hand-to-hand fighting that raged underground when counterminers met the miners. Aye, said Duncan, shivering as he looked ahead down the dark passage, twisting and turning into the utter blackness. What, What would it have been to encounter an enemy down here, he wondered. He and Jamie were forced to crouch low in a stretch of the tunnel, where the ceiling pressed low on them and the floor dipped unsettlingly away from their left. 
Denkin's bare feet slipped on the slimy rock floor. Groping at the crummy walls for support, he nearly skidded into his hip. He swallowed and tried to quell a rising urge to turn and scramble out of the tunnel as fast as he could go. Nevertheless, the friends continued down the dark passage, dungeon-like silence only interrupted by their voices, and slow, ominous dripping of water here and there seeping through the solid rock above. Duncan wondered where they were just then, and what was going on above them. Maybe the sheep grazed peacefully right overhead, ever vigilant, brooding, crouching at the ready. In the former days, the whole of the enemy army may have been encamped just above them, waiting for the countryminers to, to pop out so they could uh, so they could do them in one at a time. How they can where they come out at the other end uh, of their digging, asked Duncan, keeping his voice steady only with great effort. That's just it, said Jane. They wouldn't can for, uh, for a certainty. Words like that, Duncan, full of uncertainties, risks you might call them. I'd want to be the first man out of the tunnel, said Duncan, though his voice quavered slightly, resounding off the walls. It sounded shakier still. Not I, said Jamie, unless the cause were just. The cause of the covenant is just, replied Duncan, setting himself against the clammy walls as he stepped down into a, low, into a lower level. I, said Jamie, but we are just owning the cause. Are, but are we just owning that cause? Qu- claiming to fight for Christ in the covenant might prove uh, just another simple way of fighting for pride and freedom. The justice of the cause and lots more to do with keeping of the covenant from my heart. Duncan heard Jamie thump his hand hard against the broad chest, against his broad chest as he spoke. If I go fighting Turner, but doing so with hatred and vengeance in my heart for the English and all the oppressors in the Kirk. Here, here Jamie paused. I'm no less a turncoat to King Jesus than my enemies. And then what goods for fighting with all the dead and dying at the end of the day? Some would say you're afraid to fight, said Duncan, then adding quickly, but I can you two will join him in saying it. Ah, an honest man fears what he ought to fear, said Jamie, so my father says. I, for one, fear God, and his fearing puts a weapon in my hand, and an oppressor of the Kirk, and her bearings in my path. So do so I'll do all that fear God demands of me, but nothing more. And I don't expect nothing wh- what that fear demands will be so easy. Did you read that on a book too? asked Duncan. Aye, said Jamie, God's book. For several minutes, 
minutes, the companions made their way deeper into the mine in silence. Duncan frowning as he thought about Jamie's words. Look, Duncan, said Jamie, pointing ahead over his friend's shoulder. There's another passage turning off the main way to the left. We found it, said Duncan, stepping to the side of the tunnel. You go first. It's a wee room, said said Jamie, gazing around the chamber. A gallery they call it in the books. It made a place for resting and getting out of the way of the pack of animals used to carry out all the rocks and dirt. Though I don't can how donkeys could find a way in the low beats back there. Big enough for a family to hide out in all events, said Duncan. I, said Jamie, no one must can about this until we need it. So we do, so you do think it will be useful? Said Duncan triumphantly. I could be admitted, Jamie. While we fight, said Duncan, our mothers and sisters will be safe from the plundering. And Turner will never ken where we are. And the tunnel keeps going, said Jamie, holding his candle aloft, its flickering light shining in his eyes as he gazed into the blackness. I wonder where it ends. What with all the folks now hiding out in the bray, said Duncan. We may need to stretch on forever. So that was chapter 7. Bye guys, see you later. See you later, see you later, see ya, see ya. Later, bye guys. Thank you.